You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. broadcast of diakonia, a call to service. Diakonia, of course, is the Greek word for service. It's also the root word for deacon. My name is Deacon Richard Hudzik, and I'm privileged to serve the Archdiocese of Chicago as a vicar for deacons in the Archdiocese's Office of the Diaconate. Uh, I also get to work and pray with the good people in Westchester, Illinois, at Mary Mother of Divine Grace. And joining me, as he has been doing, I guess we've been doing this show for four years, you say, David? Coming up. Uh, Okay, coming up. We've got uh, Deacon David Brunsick, Associate Director of the Office of the Diaconate. And he's uh, also a deacon assigned to a parish in the Archdiocese at Holy Guardian Angels Parish in Brookfield and LaGrange Park. I always have to look because I can never remember. So this is a show that the Archdiocese uh, is uh, allowing the Office of the Diaconate to do. We're grateful for this this time slot, and it's dedicated to the call to service, to explore that and to suggest to all who are tuning in, watching, listening, uh, how the call to service is for everyone. And we like to say that this is a not a show about deacons, but it's a show by deacons, and we invite all who are uh, walking or listening or watching us uh, to come along with us on this journey to try and for size, I guess you'd say, some of the ministry that the deacons are doing uh, or are supporting um, so that we all might know more about what it means to be engaged in the ministry of Jesus' servanthood. And for today's show, which we've uh, captioned, uh, what, good news from the Joliet Diocese. So we brought the two happiest deacons in all of the Joliet Diocese on board with us today. Uh, some call them our country cousins, but that's uh, they're two of our brothers from the uh, neighboring diocese to the south and to the west. So we have uh, uh, Deacon Dominic Serrato, and we also have Deacon Victor Puskas. And so, brothers, welcome to the show today. Um, we're going to do a little talking uh, to you and exploring what's going on over there. And I'm going to ask David to... Uh, uh, grill you on some uh, fine points of your of your biography. So go ahead, David. Well, welcome. I'd like to uh, just want to know a little bit about you guys, uh, Dominic. Could you tell us a bit about your background? Sure. Uh, well, I grew up in New Jersey, Italian, in a nominally Catholic family. 
uh, I, uh, during my college time, I met my wife, uh, Judy, who we just celebrated 40 years of marriage. And it was during that time that she told me that her dad was going to be a deacon. And I'm like, what's a deacon? Uh, as I fell in love with Judy, I also was drawn even closer in love with the Lord. I could see in her eyes uh, a glint of the divine. And so uh, as, as we married and started having children, I sensed almost at the same time I was called to marriage, a deeper call to the diaconate, that God was calling me on to service. But I was 22 at the time. And so in the Navy, uh, and so after I got out of the Navy at age 26, I decided I wanted to be the best deacon. After all, 35 was the canonical age. And so I went to school, and I said I want to be the best deacon, so I studied theology, thinking I just know what the church's teachings are all about. And what I discovered there was theology isn't simply discovering the church's teaching, but discovering the one who is the teacher, Jesus Christ, that all of the things I learned brought me to deeper intimate communion with him. So by the time I was ready to uh, go through formation, I already had bachelor's, master's, doctoral uh, coursework done. And when I went through formation, it became clear to me that uh, that much of the tradition had not yet been brought into the diaconate, being relatively new, newly restored. And so I became a, a deacon in the Diocese of Steubenville, was the first deacon in the Diocese of Steubenville, and then went on to, um, uh, to teach, but also to explore the diaconate in various areas of my life. Uh, currently, I'm working in the Diocese of Joliet as the director of the diaconate. I also edit our Sunday Visitors, the Deacon Magazine, and various other aspects, including diaconal ministry, which is a ministry for deacons. Dominic, what, what, what was your year of ordination? Uh, 95. Okay. And you've been with Joliet for how long now? Uh, this is about, uh, I'm in my sixth year. Victor, how about yourself? Well, I was born and raised in Aurora. Um, I've heard of New Jersey, but I've uh, I've never been there. Um, but I've got kind of a, I suppose, different path to the diaconate. Uh, I have an uncle that was a bishop in the Romanian Catholic Church. Uh, there's a couple of parishes in Aurora, and he was pastor of one of them. So when I was a baby, my uncle baptized me. Now, I didn't find this out for many years later, but that triggered a sort of a canonical mess that uh, suggests that I belong um, sacramentally to the Eastern Rite. So before I could get ordained into the Latin Rite Church, I had to get a rescript from the Congregation of Oriental Churches in Rome because every subsequent sacrament is supposed to go through the Eastern Rite. Well, all of the paperwork got done. I was ordained in 2011 for the Diocese of uh, Joliet. Um, I suppose, interestingly enough, I have two older brothers who are deacons. So it made the whole idea of going into the diaconate a whole lot less mm, frightening, if that's a word to use. Um, Primarily because both of my brothers are idiots, and I thought if they can do it, I can do it. Um, you know, you know, but, you know, Victor. This, 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 uh, this YouTube will be publicly available for for all the world. So um, <laughs> they 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 know they're idiots. Okay. I, I, I don't okay. I don't have to apologize okay. for them. Okay. No, truth be told, they're both they're both uh, remarkable men, and 
uh, I wanted to be a little bit like my big brothers. So I followed them into the diaconate. Along the way, in my other uh, life, in my secular life, um, I worked my way through college as a police officer in Evanston. I got accepted to law school and uh, worked my way through law school as a police officer. Then I became an attorney. I worked for 27 years as an attorney, and toward the end of it, uh, I worked as an administrative law judge as well. About a year and a half ago, an opportunity came up to be the director of diaconal formation here in Joliet, and uh, uh, I had an opportunity to apply for that, and uh, thanks be to God, got the job. So I'm here full-time, and it's a remarkable opportunity, uh, a bit of a deviation from my secular career, but... Um, Sure. I can tell you that my stress level has gone down immeasurably from having been a trial attorney. Well, you, you do work with Dominic, though. <laughs> that's that's the cherry on top of the sundae. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. I just let me just jump in here, uh, Dominic. I have to ask the uh, you in addition to your other tasks, you, you serve on a pontifical commission. What what is that, and what can you say, if anything, about your service on that commission? the Pontifical Commission that is looking into uh, women and the diaconate. And uh, unfortunately, Richard, there's not much I can say about it because it is under pontifical secrets the way the, the Vatican works. So once the committee's done and I'm released from that, I'd be happy to share with that. But, uh, but obviously from the title, you can tell. And it's also about women in the church and how the diaconate might, even outside the issue of ordination, might be able to shed light on the nature of service and, and whether or not, and I believe there can be, women can can give a unique contribution to the nature of service. I mean, the Blessed Mother is the perfect example. Okay. Right. Uh, could you give us a little specifics, either one, of just the of Joliet Diocese? How many people do you, do you have? How many Catholics? Uh, how large of an area do you cover? Why don't you take that? Well, I, I can tell you, generally speaking, and these are just general landmarks, uh, the Diocese of Joliet goes from roughly O'Hare Airport on the north to uh, the University of Illinois on the south in Champaign-Urbana. Not quite to the University of Illinois, but uh, down that away. And roughly from the Indiana border to about the center of the state. So our neighbors to the west would be the Rockford Diocese and the Peoria Diocese. Um, it, so those are sort of the general landmarks. Now, within that seven county area, there are, again, roughly uh, 660,000 Catholics, um, and we're served by Bishop Ronald Hicks, who came to us from the Archdiocese of Chicago, and uh, we have uh, a retired bishop, uh, Daniel Conlin, who also helps uh, run the, the uh, uh, diocese as well. So in sort of general ballpark numbers and figures, that's uh, the lay of the land here in Joliet. And how many deacons uh, does a diocese have? Yeah, I think we've got it's 239 active deacons. Uh, there's another 30 guys in formation and a smattering of fellows that are uh, either retired or semi-inactive. Um, uh, so there's a fair number. Interestingly enough, um, I think it was... Uh, a Pew Research survey showed that of those reporting dioceses in the United States, Joliet ranks number eight in terms of total number of deacons. 
yeah, I think Chicago is number one, mm -hmm. um, but we're reasonably uh, large for uh, a suburban diocese like this. That puts us a little bit bigger than places like Phoenix, Orlando, New Orleans, Cleveland, Denver, and Detroit. So uh, it's not a small operation, to be sure. Yes, uh, so that the record is clear, Chicago is the largest in the world. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, depending on how you count them. Um, I mean, we've got lots of uh, retired guys. We've got guys who are in transition here and there. Uh, active boots on the ground, we, we like to think of about, of about five, 550 or so thereabouts in, in the archdiocese. So, um, but, yeah, a little, little bit bigger, but... Um, uh, we, we do know that great things are, are going on in, in the Joliet Diocese where um, I know both of you guys are, are, are quality, uh, quality leaders of that, uh, of that vibrant diocese uh, diaconate. So um, blessings uh, on the church for having both of you guys. Um, let me ask, what, uh, is there a way to typify what sorts of ministries the, uh, uh, the deacons are doing uh, in, in the Joliet Diocese? contrast and compare, I guess, with, with Chicago. What, what are you guys doing? Well, I suspect very much the same kinds of things. Most certainly, uh, most deacons are assigned to parishes. Uh, in fact, all deacons are assigned to parishes, but their main ministry might be something else, such as uh, jail ministry or maybe prison chaplain or uh, uh, hospital chaplaincy, something like that. But many of them have liturgical ministries, catechetical ministries, ministries to the poor. So it runs the entire gamut of, of various uh, types of diaconal ministries. So I suspect it would be very much similar. Now, it's going to vary depending on if they're urban areas or in country areas, but nonetheless, it would be about the same, I suspect. Okay. Yeah, we are, <clears throat> we are by and large, uh, uh, same, same sort of setup. I know some dioceses will give guys uh, two assignments, one a, a, a parish as well as a, a diocesan one. Um, we don't have it quite so formal that way in Chicago, but uh, certainly guys are doing primarily the parish and then uh, the, the other ministries, as you mentioned. I'm curious about the uh, uh, the degree. You know, I'm a city slicker, so I, I think anything outside of uh, Cook and Lake counties is, uh, you know, the deep south or something. But there's uh, a significant geographic area of the Joliet Diocese is is rural. It's it's agricultural. Um, any any thoughts as to how the the deacons uh, in the Joliet Diocese interact with with that particular population? And is there is there ministry to the uh, uh, to to the farm farm world? Vic, do you want to take that? That's an interesting question. I don't know if there's an, uh, an actual ministry to to the farmers, but, you know, there are some deacons in our diocese that have uh, been born and raised in these rural areas. So in a large uh, measure, they, they represent the church to the, the sort of rural communities. And I think there's a trust level in that sense because people know these these uh, deacons. They've they know their families. They've yeah. grown up with them, yeah. and and everybody in smaller towns knows each other. So, for the guys further south in our diocese, we call it south of I-80. Uh, it tends to be a little bit more rural, a little bit more farmland. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys that are more heavily invested in the communities down there. Okay. And as you know, priests get reassigned, you know, every six or twelve years or so. But the deacons are there for literally generations after generations. Uh, the folks that own the farms down there, 
Okay. And so there's a level of trust that I don't think can be replicated in the in the presbyterate. That's interesting. All right, we're gonna we're gonna jump off uh, for a quick break. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll be back uh, for the second second portion of this engaging conversation. Stay tuned. spending a week on the tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable Scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting Scripture in the Church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including interpreting scripture and the Vatican II documents, different Christian denominations and how they differ in perspectives on scripture, the Bible and politics in America today, what scripture says about children, how to use scripture in prayer, and interpreting scripture for the life and mission of the church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu slash summerscripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in-person and virtual. We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit. From servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, our parish is the largest one in the archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. And we are back to wrap up to, well, we're not, I shouldn't anticipate. We've got lots of, lots of territory to cover. Deacon Richard Hudzik uh, speaking and joining me in the studio is Deacon David Brensick. And coming in remotely from the Joliet Diocese, Deacons Victor Puskas and Deacon Dominic Serrato. We're just comparing notes between our uh, relative uh, dioceses, archdioceses. 
and communicating the good work that deacons do and implicitly is the invitation to any who is uh, watching, listening, to, to join in the, uh, the servanthood of, of Christ. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it over to, to David. He has some more questions about the, the Joliet Diaconate. Well, Dominic and Victor, just uh, do you see any particular challenges facing the, the Diaconate in the Joliet Diocese? Well, I, I, I think the challenges we face are probably what the challenges that most dioceses face, and that is, as the diaconate was restored, uh, there was not a lot of understanding of the nature of the diaconate. This is not only true of the lay people, but also true of many priests who had very little training on the diaconate with regard to their own uh, priestly formation. And so uh, we're coming out of a time where I think the diaconate is beginning to find its voice, but for a long time, the diaconate was reduced to function. This is what you do in order to be a deacon. Imagine another vocation. This is what you do to be a married man. It doesn't quite work. It, it requires something more important, which is a relationship between the husband and wife. And so critical, I think, now to the diaconate is a deeper understanding of who we are and from who we are, what we ought to do. And that arises first out of a deep, intimate relationship with Christ the servant, to whom the deacon was configured on the day of their ordination. So the challenge facing, I think, uh, the diaconate and indeed the whole church is a rediscovery, not simply of the diaconate, that would be to be short-sighted, but to be a rediscovery of Christ the servant and his role, because the deacon is a preeminent witness to Christ the servant in such a way that it inflames and inspires lay people to be the servants their baptism calls them to be. And how do we, how do, we do that as deacons? Well, we do it primarily by living out the witness. I mean, our, our words are important, but we have to incarnate Christ. This requires the deacon to have a deep interior life. If he is not in intimate communion with Christ, which is a dynamic, constantly growing, then his ability to incarnate Christ will be superficial. It'll be like the, the guy with the bad toupee. Everybody knows it but him, right? It's got to be something deeper than that. So how do we do this? We first do this, not by doing something, but being in deeply uh, with Jesus, falling in love with him evermore. It's that love that, that inspires service. So service is not something we do, but someone we give our very selves. And in that respect contains a sacrificial element because the depths of the love are found in the quality of the sacrifice. That's very good. What's, uh, what would you say are some successes that you've, you've, you, you would point to, uh, successes of the Joliet Diaconate, either Dominic or Victor? Well, I, I mean, clearly, clearly, the um, I think the uh, formation program has radically shifted to reflect what I was talking about earlier. So, looking at this in terms of three fundamental questions: uh, what does this mean in terms of my relationship to Christ the servant? What does it mean in terms of my identity in Him, and then my mission with Him? In relationship, identity, mission. We drew that from the Institute of Priestly Formation. Put it in there to take the four elements of formation: the pastoral, spiritual, human and uh, intellectual, and sort of bring them together. 
So we're, we're forming men from the inside out. Uh, I think that's the one thing in terms of formation. The other thing is more recently the use, and, and, and Deacon Vic can expand on this, the use of uh, the uh, deanery gatherings. One of the challenges of being a deacon is that we tend to be isolated from other deacons. We're doing stuff the same time they're doing stuff. And so we don't get to see them that often. Uh, by creating at least quarterly uh, deanery meetings where deacons are gathering, where they're sharing their faith. They're also uh, in looking at um, ongoing formation, uh, spiritual enrichment, but being together, uh, just a, a sort of guy to guy, deacon to deacon uh, kind of thing has been, I think we started that and it appears to be very enriching. That's very good. That's very good. Yeah, that that com camaraderie and networking are so important. Let me let me turn the corner a little bit. Uh, last week, uh, three of us on this uh, YouTube channel were hard at work in Orange County, California, at the National Association of Deacon Directors. One of us, whom shall remain unnamed, uh, was frolicking in the sun on a uh, on an ocean cruise. Uh, so I hope Dominic, you had a good time. But uh, Dave, Victor, and I, uh, we were out in California, and I just. I, I was I was inspired by the by the gathering of the deacon directors and the formation directors of the dioceses uh, around the country. Um, Victor, I don't know. Do you do you have any takeaway or reaction to uh, to the week out in the sun uh, last week? Yeah. Well, a couple of things struck me. First of all, with any conference, whether it's in in law or police work or uh, any other discipline, it always seems to me that the best conversations take place over, you know, lunch or dinner afterwards or in the breaks. The presentations were outstanding, but at the same time, I learned so much just by talking to guys uh, uh, during some of the breaks. One of the guys I talked to was uh, Deacon David Kushner from the I guess it's the Archdiocese of Cleveland. Um, and I, I asked him, you know, from my experience as an attorney, I'm familiar with the American Bar Association model rules. So I asked him, I said, has the USCCB or the National Association of Diaconate Directors ever considered a, a sort of a model formation program, just a, a one size fits all uh, you know, a, a program that everybody in America can follow? And he gave me a, what I thought was a very thoughtful answer. He said, well, there's 198 dioceses in the United States. And he said, every one of them operates a little bit differently. And they all have, you know, kind of unique needs for their particular location. So while everybody at that conference is trying to improve how they deliver formation and services to their deacons and their guys in formation, um, there's... I think an implicit understanding that, you know, the old saying, will it play in Peoria? What Peoria is doing may not work for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles or Orange, California, or, you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. uh, so those kinds of conferences are, are super helpful to get people together to share ideas with the understanding that it, it just simply can't be done on a one-size-fits-all basis. And maybe the way this uh, filters down, I just I, uh, just want to make this comment that I want to turn back to Dominic. But it's, it's inspiring for the deacon directors, and hopefully we take that inspiration back to us and, and work with our own deacons 
to animate them and to energize them to to spread more of this this energy, this love, this idea of servanthood out to the people they serve. Um, I mean, that's ultimately that's what it's about. It's you know, it's not making us. We're better deacons for the sake of of helping others, uh, for the sake of emulating Christ the servant. Um, so yeah, I, I th that's that's very good insight, Victor, and I'm appreciative of of your of your remarks there. I just want to tease our next show. Um, Dominic has uh, just released a book. Was it today, tomorrow, or but? Uh, it's already out. It's already out. Okay, Dominic, you've got a new book out. I would like, as I say, this is a tease. I'd like to uh, spend some time with you on our next show that will come out in uh, will come out in June. But what's what's the book? And I think we've got about uh, about twenty seconds. So do your best shot. N title, title, author, and. Uh, uh, what what it's about? Oh, sure, uh, it's uh, entitled "Discovering Christ the Servant." It's a uh, lay spirituality of service. Essentially, what it does is it takes the the diaconal spirituality based on my last book, uh, and then it unfolds it for the laity. What does it mean to be a servant? How do you integrate your spirituality into everyday life? And that's exactly what the purpose of this show is about: is to translate what we're doing as deacons into a broader context to invite people to walk with us and to help them discover what, what we have discovered. So that's, that's great. Uh, Victor, Dominic, David, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you all who have uh, tuned in, and uh, we will be talking at you very shortly. So thank you much. God bless you both. Thank you. God thank bless. You. For whom it has been prepared.